1: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
3: Please go to WHK 1420. If you go to the local podcast down to uh, the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes, it goes directly to my webpage. And you can get the prime income list, uh, the dividend growth list. Well, there's some really good ideas on those right now. Uh, Also, uh, you know, our best idea list, uh, all cap best idea list. And we also have, you know, for you guys that uh, own a business and are transitioning, the business transition handbook. This is a great time, in Tim Hayes' personal opinion, to borrow money on a short-term basis. And uh, we have the Savvy Credit Investors Handbook. We also have a wealth plan that's interactive so you can keep changing it whenever you want, you know, due to, you know, whatever happens in your life. Okay. Cause life changes. All right. So there's some things that are available to you. If you go to the web page. by the way, uh, if you, if you go to, uh, hi uh, highlights, uh, I'm sorry, it's <laughs> not highlights. I'll get it right here in a second. Uh, there's, there's two things that you should be taking a look at. Number one is, uh, our bulletin board, which allows you to uh, uh, take a look at Bob Dickey's and our weekly update. And and then uh, Insights, oh, not highlights. <laughs> Sorry, it's Saturday afternoon. Insights. And Insights has a lot of good stuff in there this week. Uh, I, you know, they change it every week. So there's constantly new information that you can get. And Bob Dickey changes every day. So, uh, by the way, if you'd like to talk to me and and uh, talk over a cup of coffee, since we can't, and, you know, it's hard to meet people uh, directly now. Um, you know, feel free. My phone number's there. There's a contact me. There's an email me there, etc. So this week, a couple things happened. I think you know we got to share some of this stuff so you you understand what we're thinking about. First of all, Warren Buffett turned ninety. Happy birthday, Warren! Uh, and my question is, uh, you know, Charlie Munger is now ninety three. Uh, what happens if these guys die? And I, I don't like to think ahead like that, but sometimes you have to. And then Tiger 21, which is a group of uh, very wealthy people, um, have cash at 19% in holding at this point. That's a high level of cash for them, which I thought it was interesting. Uh, and then I, I was going to talk about municipal bonds this week, uh, but Barron's came out and beat me to it this morning. You know, municipal bonds, uh, um, with the amount of debt, that's going on out there uh especially in the state and the local governments. I think you got to be careful. Okay? Now the other thing I I really nobody's really talked about this but you know, if Joe Biden is winning, you know, so far, and I don't know if he is or not, you know, I'm 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 not here to make any predictions or anything like that. But if he is, uh you know, he's talking about increasing the tax rates. You know, I figured it out. I'm going to be in the 54% tax bracket. I know a lot of you people might be out at the 60, okay, or, or you'll be at the 42, 43% bracket. Why is there tax loss selling go- or tax gain selling going on right now? And as we get closer to the election, will it start to occur, okay? And then I got, a, I had a question uh, from Harry this week. He said, "Tim, I like real estate investment trust, and they've been out of favor for a pretty long time." And my suggestion would be. To look at the single-family REITs, okay, A real estate. What is a REIT? It's a real estate investment trust. So it's real estate you can buy on the New York Stock Exchange and get a lot of the advantages uh, that you normally have. All right. So, you know, the other thing I think you got to look at is the at the bond market tends to be one of the best places to be the two months before an election. It's it's the only asset class that's been positive every election. So there we go. Now, I uh, I don't know if you, if you read the Felder report. I get about 20 reports. Uh, but Jesse Felder is a really smart guy. He's a technician. And, and one of the things he said that uh, this week was when the VIX rises with the stock market, it's it's and they're moving in the same direction, usually have quick, decisive moves down. So something to think about, okay? Uh, anyway, for the year of 2019, total revenues for global recorded music grew by 8.2% to $20 billion. Streaming revenue, however, grew by 22.9% to $11 billion. It's a big move. It accounted for more than half of the revenue in the music industry. So, by the way, five years ago, it wasn't even heard of. Uh, historically, the benchmark S&P 500 index has a return median of 26 in the months when the dollar moves sharply lower, which we, you know, we talked about the dollar breaking down about three months ago, I think, uh, and that, that comes out of Goldman Sachs, by the way, and uh, and technology and energy stocks were faring the best. So, companies—this is a real interesting statistic—companies have paid out three point trillion in dividends in in the period from 2010 to 2019, and stock buybacks have totaled 5.3. So they spent more on their stocks than they have uh, on anything else, okay? So uh, very interesting stuff going on, uh, I I think. Now, Lori uh, Calvacina, I'm sorry, I'll get that name right eventually, uh, is our head strategist, and she had a couple good ideas uh, this week, and I thought I'd just uh, uh, refer a couple of those things to you. And, and she said that the stock market is starting to remind her of 2018. You know, the S&P surged in January, driven by excitement over the uh, cuts. Then it uh, unwound the trade because of the, the Chinese thing. And we got, we got hammered. Then we had a big move. And then uh, we hit a new high in late September. And then uh, we started a fourth-quarter uh, tumble. Uh, so uh, she's right. You know, we've got another month. Uh, <laughs> who knows? But the cyclical uh, cyclical trade had another good week. And if you've been, uh, if you've talked to me, or you've been in my office, I have shown you where cyclical are the value stocks are versus the growth stocks. It's even more dramatic since I gave you that chart. And uh, so it's, it'll be interesting, uh, very very interesting. Also, I've probably shown you small caps versus large caps, and I believe they're four standard deviations away from each other. So uh, you know, history would tell us that uh, small caps and value stocks would probably be the place to go, although we haven't seen complete evidence of that yet. And I I thought this was interesting. She said asset manager manager position in U.S. equities have moved up sharply, uh, and they're keeping on guard for return to 2018 high. So I thought that was really interesting. So institutions are starting to put more money in, and it's amazing how much cash is on the sidelines. Now $5 trillion in money markets. What's really interesting is the average Robinhood uh, client uh, has very little cash. Very interesting. Reaching out performance of non-U.S. equities uh, bears watching. And, you know, uh, w- the dollar goes down, foreign stocks go up. And, you know, one of the things I talked about was the EEM. And uh, the reason I like the EEM is it's technology-based, okay? Uh, so uh, it's a little overbought. It's way overbought, actually. So be careful with that. Now. Um, there's been some alternative high in- frequency indicators uh, that are perking up that have been sluggish. And, uh, you know, some of the uh, indicators, you know, it's the open table restaurant bookings, uh, the flying activity. Uh, others appear to be stalling and sluggish, and, and that's stuff like uh, consumer comfort, credit card spending, and public uh, public transit activity. So, It'll be interesting to see what the Fed say about that, all right? Um, And we'll leave it at that. Now, um, I thought there was another interesting thing. We had an article this week uh, called The Fed Goes on Call. And since they met in July, there's been a tone around the Fed's official comments that have raised some doubt about the need for and perhaps the willingness of the Fed to do more in terms of monetary policy at the upcoming meetings. Now, Mr. Powell was very definitive and he said he'd like inflation to go up this week. Very interesting. So there's a couple guys that called in that, you know, were saying, hey, maybe gold you know, gold would go back down. I think it may correct a little bit here, uh, because of the fact that, you know, things anticipate things, you know, the markets anticipate things six months ahead of time. But the dollar's fairly oversold still. So I mean it probably rallies a little bit here. And then you wonder it will go continue. But their their point was this. The path of the virus is going to determine the path of the economy. So the most important thing anybody can do is get their arms around the virus. Until we get there, I'm not sure there's a lot more the Fed can do right now. And then uh, there was another comment. Majority of participants commented on yield caps and targets as monetary policy tool. We were talking about monitoring the yield curve by the Fed three months ago. So now it's coming out. But, by the way, Powell kind of hinted at that uh, in the meeting. So. Uh, something to think about. All right. So um, anyway, let's go uh, a little bit further here. You know, look, I, I think something that's really is going to be important coming up here, and I've I've said this several weeks in a row, so get the hint. But look, cybersecurity spending has been growing in the area of information technology for years because uh, breaches are increasing in frequency, data size, and financial and reputation consequences are out there for people. Okay. So I think, uh, especially with as many people out there uh, on their own, you know, working from home, you have to have uh, cybersecurity. There's all sorts of worms out there, viruses, cyber threats. I bet you, you know, uh, RBC has so many firewalls. I can't remember how many, but I also know that, uh, you know, we get fishing expeditions all the time. You probably get them at home. Uh, you know, if you don't know the people, don't open the the uh, um, the the emails, what I suggest, but look, cybersecurity exists to combat cyber attacks. With the most common being illegal, legally, illegally obtaining corporate information. Uh, and, you know, they compromise uh, emails, uh, identity theft, ransomware, etc. So that's a that's an area that I think you have to pay very close attention to. Also, e-commerce, man, I'm telling you, I, you know, I mean, look, my, I got a new dog, and I'm getting, I have an electric friends for him. And, pretty big yard. And uh, we don't like doing that, but we have to because we have neighbors who uh, would get ornery, I think. So, you know, we, we call somebody because they have a certain dog collar with uh, with punch holes in it, where the other places we, we bought it don't. All right. So, you know, that, that's what's happening. And I, I think you've got to take a look at that uh, and, and pay very close attention. Now, look, there's a lot of opportunities out there. And you know what we're looking at now, I think, is what we call the sharing economy and an economic model defined as a peer-to-peer, peer-to-peer based activity of acquiring, providing, or sharing access to goods and services that that is often facilitated by community-based online platforms. So what I'm saying is the community is buying, you know, uh, different stuff. But they're also stuff. There's people out there that provide rides. Okay, there are people out there providing all sorts of uh, community-based sharing. I think something that you should be paying attention to. The other thing is video streaming. Um, new opportunities. I think there's a huge amount. I, I, I can't tell you how many uh, companies that are involved, uh, getting involved in this. Uh, you know, there's been all sorts of stuff uh, going on out there. You know, there, obviously there's Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney, Apple, but there's others. You know, there's a couple been a couple home runs that we've been involved in that the uh, Uh, And also streaming of music, I think that's another place you've got to pay attention to. Now, one final thing, and I think we'll take a break, is we have a gentleman by the name of Dan Perlin, and he's he's really done a great job with the exception of one stock, but he stayed with it, which I I give him credit for. Uh, All his best ideas have been home runs except for one, and um, (laughs) he still hasn't outperformed, so I think he's right, but I think we had a a small problem with the economy for a short period of time. Anyway, he talked about evo payments, uh, and he 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 partnered with OnTrack Innovations to launch some contactless payments for unattended retail. Uh, Doodle, which is a company that you know we follow that's private, launched a free e-commerce uh, returns for portals for U.S. Uh, retailers. It they added thirty-five thousand retailers and fourteen thousand consumers in the period, you know, just first half of the year. Okay. So we believe there's a global trend of accelerating competition in payments as payment companies, technology firms, and other organizations combine faster payment technologies and look to integrate retail payments, lending, or software into seamless ecosystems. Huge exposure for some companies that we follow, Uh, which is a great report, by the way. And we expect banks to continue to invest in new solutions on customers, Uh, look for a seamless experience across channels, okay? and banks to protect and increase revenues while reducing costs as technology evolves. I don't know if you saw, but Visa just made a uh, an acquisition just recently. Um, I think, you know, based on that, what Dan's opinion is, is they support a view for secular growth and electronic payments in both developed and emerging markets as consumers' uh, preference changes. Um, and he sees some real big winners here. <laughs> and there has been, he, I mean, he's called... Uh, uh, some big big names out there. So uh, anyway, if you'd like a copy of that report, like I said, you go to WHK1420 uh, and go down the the uh, the list to uh, uh, you know the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes, and just hit the you know you're at a go to my web page, hit the contact me or email me, and we'll get it out to you. It's a great great little report. It has a lot of names on there. Uh, it's a very short report, uh, so uh, you know I like short reports, uh, easier to read. As far as I'm concerned, he makes his points and he goes on. So, uh, look, I think the one thing that everybody's going to understand is uh, the the five largest stocks in the S and P 500 have account- have accounted for a disproportionate share of stock market returns for some time now, which is why we uh, when we look at this, it's concerning, but also why it's not okay. Patience is required for holders of diversified equity portfolios, and major equity indexes can be quirky. So they, they're intended to reflect the performance of the market, a broad and diverse group of stocks they often do. But if you get you get times like this, usually in a sec, secular bull market, which we're in, we correct overbought groups where other groups lead the way, okay? So if you look at the the top five stocks, they make up 50 58 percent of the return of the S and P 500. Uh, if you take a look at the S and P 500, just 0.6 percent of the return, and the S and P 500 index, all of them uh, are looking at nine you know 9.8 percent, and that's in you know uh, the last couple of months. So uh, anyway, let's take a break. This is Smart Investor Show. Remember, uh, if you get a question, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We'll be right back.
0: effective pain relief that really, really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two weeks. Yes, two weeks, and my pain was gone, and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com.
2: Bob friends When I was looking for a Christian radio
3: station, for some reason I got it mixed up with 1220 versus 1420. Yeah, that's our the sister day station. I
0: fo- the day that I found 1420 was one of the best days of my life because you were on there. I've been a listener of yours for years. You are just very articulate, knowledgeable, and it's just a pleasure to listen to you while I work. Thank you for your kind words. Glad you found our show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 the answer and on Radio.com. Hit the road, Jack. And
3: don't you come back no more? Okay, no more, no more, no more. we're back. Road, uh, and don't you come back. A little uh, Ray Charles there. Uh, anyway, we do have Joe on the line. Joe, how are you? Good. Good. What can I do for you?
4: Hey, I was. I can never find what when you talk about it on your website the Prime Cap and. The list of the dividend income stocks you talk about?
3: Yeah, have to send away for Joe.
4: Oh, okay. They're not on my They're not not on my webpage. No. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. No problem at all. All right, thank have you. Have a great day. All
3: right. All right, see ya. By the way, Harry just emailed me and he wanted to know what we thought about Microsoft uh, and the TikTok deal. Uh, Microsoft and Walmart seem to be teaming up. By the way, they've been teaming up against Amazon for some time. and are starting to make some inroads on Amazon uh, uh, to buy TikTok. And uh, but I, I think, you know, you know, based on what our analyst is saying, it's Alan Zukin, uh, He views highly scaled social networks and media networks as inherently rare. And in, in efforts to build them often fail, See, like Google, <laughs> Google Plus. And their competitive engine modes are largely centered on gravitational force of engaged user population. And what he means, in other words, the size of the network of the users. So uh, he believes that TikTok may be a generational asset with very high engagement that could be monetized, maybe at a a higher rate than Instagram, YouTube, and and or Facebook. So uh, obviously, it's positive. Uh, We don't have a comment on Walmart. And, um, you know, look, I, I think, Microsoft's up a lot, so I'll just leave it at that. So you take it from here. Um, now, you know, I, I was uh, I, I was looking at a couple of charts, and I, I guess the, my question is, is that, uh, you know, where do we go from here type of scenario sometimes? And, and you wonder, uh, you know, what exactly, um, well, you know, Look, our lives became busier, and technology improves. It seems inve- inevitable that we will uh, will be looking at computers by speaking to them soon. And uh, the question is, uh, s- smart speakers worldwide shipments began. You know, worldwide, at like 127 million. Uh, greater China is 59 million. North America is only 38. So the Chinese are using these uh, much more than we are. Um, I think that's inviting big brother into your house. That's my personal opinion. But uh, look, there are approximately 4 billion digital voice assistants worldwide. That's a lot, a whole lot. Uh, These are smart speakers. So uh, I guess Amazon and Google are the two leaders in spark speakers. And there's a a huge advances in natural language processing. So, you know, I think they'll be able to do it world, you know, without any type of language you speak. So, uh, you know, you may want to, I wish to consider the large voice platforms as strong businesses with significant growth properties, uh, is what I'm trying to tell you in so many words. Um, So, you know, I I get Marty Pring's newsletter, too. I get everybody's newsletter. (laughs) That's why I pay a lot of money for newsletters. But, you know, it's funny because, yeah, you know, he he started out with the Shakespearean saying, beware of the eyes of March which it didn't go uh, so well for <laughs> Julius Caesar. In, in market folk, folklore, October is the season for crashes, and September is the worst-performing month. Welcome to the bear season. So uh, what he, he suggested was uh, we're in a long-term bull market, and uh, we came off this, you know, uh, a secular bull market. And when, when we have readings uh, in what is known as the ROC, if you don't know what that is, you should, and uh, I think you should just Google it, but when you have strong readings like that, usually it's a very positive scenario. And, uh, however, uh, what you're also seeing is, you know, look, we just crossed the 12-month moving average, right? So uh, that's, that's a possibility. But we are seeing the VIX stay at a high level. Now, you know, the VIX usually goes down below uh, 17, uh, 18 maybe, uh, when, you know, you have to really worry about things. And the a D line is is fairly positive, but is not uniformly uh, going up, okay it's, it's, it's turned down for a while. so you know one of the things you, you worry about, especially if you look at the like the NASdaQ bullish percent, the NASDAq keeps going up, but the bullish percent's broken its uptrend line, and it's done the same thing with um, the VIX. you know the the ps going up, but the VIX has turned up. Why is that? I don't, I don't know, but we'll, we'll, I think we're going to find out the hard way. <laughs> so I'll just uh, suggest that you know, uh, you know, you know. I just think you got to be uh, careful, uh, and I've been saying this for some time, and I'm going to say it again several times during this the show. But look, uh, there's, I still think we're in a secular bull market, but if you notice the VIX, has stayed up there. It's still at 26. It's not as high as it was. But it has turned up the last couple of days uh, with a stock market going the same way. And the Felder Report says that's not usually a good thing because the correlation, you know, you you don't want the correlation being the same. Okay, so uh, the ROC is still below just a little bit above zero um, and, you know, usually peaks around, uh, you know, one one hundred eighty to one hundred. So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, you know. What these guys are saying is is true, but uh, I I would suggest that the you know I looked at the XLK and I looked at some of the big technology stocks and they're ridiculously parabolic, okay. And that's Tim's point of view. Uh, You know we've had this mega cap dominance and uh, may stay that way. By the way, I see some of the top guys just breaking out too. Okay, I see some of the top uh, fintech companies just breaking out. So you 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 might want to take a look at your you know high technology stocks and take a look and just say, hmm, you know, uh you know, maybe I want the equal weight technology ETF versus the uh the ones that are capitalization weighted, which move towards the bigger names because the bigger names look like they're vulnerable at this point is what I guess I'm saying in so many words. Um but I I just think you you know you have to uh, think about stuff like that. Now, I read an interesting report. And I can't remember who said this. I I, um, I think it was uh, uh, Mary Ellen McGonigal. Uh, she's really good, too. You know, she talked about uh, Abbott Labs and, and the big breakout from Abbott Labs. And, and you know, I don't know if you knew, heard this, but they have a new kit out, uh, test that takes 15 minutes and doesn't need any... Uh, Equipment, very big, very big. Uh, Whacked all the other uh, test makers, but uh, they went crazy on the upside, which is good because it's my largest position. (laughs) But what she did see, I thought this was intriguing because this is what Tom Lee from Fundstrat is saying on a fundamental basis. Look towards the epicenter type stocks because she said, if you look at the leisure stocks, a lot of them reversed up, reversed downtrends on volume. Okay, that's a, I think is very very important. Uh, you know, I, I saw it in a couple of big big uh, names, and I am just going to leave leave them the names out because that's for you do your own homework. All right. So, um, anyway, uh, you know, I, I just think there's uh, there's more to it. Now, the other thing I did notice was uh, several of the home builders, and I, I one of my clients called me Friday and said, "What about the home builders?" So I, Look, I bought the home builders, and I said this on the show back in 2008 because they got crushed. Okay. And I still have a few of them. Uh, so, but it looks like they're getting ready to break out all the way back to to 2004 and five and six, when they really started to break down. So it'll be interesting, uh, to see if, uh, you know, we get, uh, any more of this uh, continuing. All right. So, all right. So, uh, there's a couple things cyclicals are progressing and they're breaking out of their summer consolidations. They they began on June 8th. I don't know why that is. Uh, And I think that's when the the COVID-19 concerns started to resurface and they continue to recommend investors increase exposure to cyclicals as part of a barbell portfolio. Okay. Now, Rob Schleimer, who works for Fundstrat and Bob Dickey have been talking uh, very similar games and that, uh, you know, Bob's not coming out right and saying it Bob, Rob schleimer is, and that is you have a barbell and and the bar the the actual bar is your your consumer staples, you know your high quality names one side is your big cap technology names and on the other side is your uh, um, uh, you know your uh, cyclical stocks and then uh, he's talking more cyclical than financials, but uh it is kind of interesting. He's also seeing some mid-cap names and some core value and contrarian managers start to, to pick up things that are really interesting. Uh, you know, and, and some of the high beta names even the low beta names. So uh, keep it at that. So, hey, look, we're gonna take a real quick break. We'll be right back. Remember, the phone number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-095. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. <music>
2: Listen to us anywhere, including Radio.com. When it comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com.
4: Ever felt like someone had you over a barrel? Like they might be taking advantage of you? Not a good feeling. So if you've got a sewer problem and you feel like the other plumber isn't shooting you straight, here's what you do. Call my team at Wyatt Works Plumbing and we'll give you a free second opinion. Before anyone sells you on expensive repairs, have my guys come out and scope out your line and we'll show you pictures and we will shoot you straight on all of your options. Most of the time, simply cutting out the root intrusion or jetting away the clog, that's all you need. And if you do need more, we can usually repair your sewer line without any digging, because we have the most advanced pipelining equipment on the market. But beyond the cameras and all the fancy equipment is this, I would rather starve than take advantage of a customer. And all the folks at Wireworks feel the same way. So call us, either right from the get-go or for a second opinion. And stay confident and in control. Consider it done at WyattWorks.com. License number 30185.
2: Back to school is quickly approaching and you may have concerns about sending your kids back to the classroom or how virtual school will work. Hi, it's Christine. And for your family, you need to do what is best. If small class size and faith-based curriculum are what are important to you along with the health and well-being of your child, then a private school may be right for you. Check out NortheastOhioDeals.com to get half-off tuition to some of Northeast Ohio's best private schools. That's deals Com Savings at your fingertips.
3: Okay, we're back. All right, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. And, uh, you know, I, I was uh, back uh, in May. I can't remember which week it is, but, you know, we talked about the bullish percent. I mean, the S&P 500 breaking out. And when you break out after a period of sideways patterns or multiple uh you know, straight up move and then it pulls back, you can count columns and point and figure charting and, and get a generally a price target, what they call a bullish price objective at Dorsey Wright, our good friends that provide us with the uh with the bullish percent. And we've met that. Now I looked at um uh, by by the way, that number was 34.50, as I think what we said. I, I believe we talked about a 50-point chart, which is a you know a longer-term chart. Uh, you know, so what happens after that experience? And I guess on average, returns are positive over a majority of different timeframes, a few exceptions like 2007 and 1987. But typically, they've been favorable, especially over the longer-term timeframes. And this goes back with uh, to to what I've said. About you know when you have this terribly bullish overbought market, uh, then we have a sell off and then we take off again. So look, bull markets don't go straight up, <laughs> all right. And the fear comes; the fear has to come back into the market because everybody thinks that the market's going to the moon, and I don't, I don't agree with that. But anyway, uh, you know it's it's important to look at the bullish price objectives because that's usually when a uh, bit of correction that, uh, uh, occurs. Okay, so. Uh, You know, we're going to talk about uh, the bullish percent, and this is provided to us by our friends at Dorsey Wright uh, in Virginia. Great group of guys. Uh, I think Tom and Watson have now retired, but uh, the the NASDAQ composite keeps the torch going. And this uh, the bullish percent was actually designed by some proteges of Charles Dow. And, um, you know, what they wanted to do is be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. And so. What we have here is a situation where uh, we have a chart from zero to hundred. And when you're a column of O's, that's when distribution occurs and it usually occurs faster than accumulation column of X's. You have the offensive team on the field to two or three main places in the, in the, in the chart are when you get over 70, which we were just at 70, by the way, and you fall, below, that's the red zone. That's when things are too hot to handle. Okay. When you get below 30, that's the green zone. That's when nobody opens their 401k statement. Everybody hates me. Uh, you know they don't want to. They don't want to take my call and all that good stuff. That's when you should be greedy. Fifty is kind of a nice mid range. Now, what's interesting this week uh, was um, the bullish percent is in a column of X's. It went down 1.7 percent when the indexes went up, which means a lot of stocks are being sold. Hmm. No might not happen. I think we wouldn't reverse down till till we hit sixty two but we are at sixty seven point eight percent right now, as far as the over the counter index, it did the same thing. It was down one point three percent so uh what it shows me is we had more stocks being sold off now the the uh, the world index was positive and it's in a column of o's uh and it was up 4%, and it's within a percentage point of turning positive into, or into a column of X when the offensive team is on field. So we have the offensive team on the field in domestic equities. They became the number one asset class, by the way, in Dorsey Wright's dynamic asset-level investing. And what you've got to understand here is that, uh, like I said, I, I just think there are certain stocks that are way, way too – people are way too bullish on <laughs> And then there are other stocks where they're not bullish enough. And that's what happens in bull markets. And bull markets, what's great about a secular bull market, which I believe we're in, uh, is the situation where they usually correct a group while another group takes leadership. So just remember that. Uh, so it was a kind of a quiet week for the major bullish percent indicators. They kind of remained unchanged. Some of them are midfield territory. Uh, you know, the the, bull, the major bullish percent up in the 60s is a little bit high. And all the positive in, in, uh, trend indicators did not change, which is very good. And they're at midfield, so they're about 53, 54. However, uh, the high-low indicators, the number of new highs, number of new lows cooled off this week and reversed down to a column of O's, and they're pretty far up there. They were 84 and 82. That's a pretty high number. Uh, so those are some things that we have to take into, into it. Uh, you know, uh, into our minds while we're, you know, look, I've been kind of cautious for two weeks now. All right. And I don't think that's going to go away. I think there's going to be a corrective phase. I'm not sure, you know, corrective phases have all sorts of types of corrections. There's time corrections. Look, McDonald's went sideways for almost four years, did nothing. Tesla from 2013 to 2018 went nowhere. It was, you know, that was a base. Okay, and, and unfortunately, I didn't buy it. I bought it the first time, and didn't buy it the second time. But this week, in dynamic asset level investing, domestic equities took a one-vote lead over fixed income, uh, which is good. And and cash, uh, uh, you know, fell a little bit too. So uh, I th- I think that's very interesting. So you know, look, if you're looking at tactically, uh, you know, I would suggest that you know, if you're very conservative, you have uh, Domestic equities is 19 percent and fixed income is 80. If you're, uh, you know, a moderate tilt, what you might have is international equities, 5 percent, domestic equities, 35 and fixed income at uh, 60. If you're, you know, you're looking at a a current allocation, I think you should have 70, 80 percent in equities. 10 in, percent in fixed income and 10 percent in international equities and about, you know, whatever you got left in cash. So, you know? right. So anyway, I, I did notice that most of the major adge, uh, averages were up. Uh, the EEM, you know, which I've been talking about for the international thing uh, last year and this year, uh, has been negative for two weeks. It was positive for 14 weeks. So, you you know, there we go the small cap index and the mid cap index have been positive for about five weeks as, as has the equal weighted index, which is good. You know, you want to see more money being distributed. Uh, but the large cap index and the SPY have been positive for seven weeks again. So they're, you know, the big names are really still leading the, the pack. So uh, you know, generally speaking, it's a positive week for the 10 major funds. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, Nine finished in black and just one, and that's the mid cap index uh, finished in the red. So that's that's a good week, you know, Uh, very very good week. And uh, you know, if you look at some of these things, were up you know two three percent in in a week. uh, You know, the QQQs and the XLGs, although they believe me, the QQQs and the XLG are as extended as I've seen anything. So I'll just say that, Uh, you know, but the big five, if you look at them, uh, you know, geez, Louise. You know, they have made up forty-seven percent of of the gains in the in the indexes. All right, uh, the QQQ is up forty-seven percent since the bottom. All right, uh, you know, so you know, those are big moves. Just, that's all I'll say. Uh, I looked at the uh, the number of positive sectors this week, and there's twenty-two, so we're at that same level. But they're getting to the very overbought stage. Remember, uh, you know, what you want to do is buy all these things under 30. OK, so what we're going to do is talk about the favorite sectors. And these are the ones that uh, are overbought. We'll start with the overbought and we'll move our way down. Machinery and gaming are at 84. That's a big number. I'd wait. Building, auto, housing, chemicals and business are at 76. Those are big numbers. I'd wait on that. Restaurants. And electrical uh, products are at 70. Still, I'd wait. Steel, aerospace, and semiconductors are at 65. I'd wait on those. And then uh, in the 60 area, which you could, you know, you got to look at the charts here, are leisure, computers, waste management, uh, telecom, uh, retail, and software. So there are some stocks in those two areas that look pretty good. At 55, it's precious metals financials and the internet. Uh, so there are some good looking ideas there. And then finally at 50 is healthcare. We have nothing under 38. So remember back in March, this, if you looked at this graph, it was all to the left. Now it's all to the right. So, uh, you know, look, you're just going to use your head and be a little bit more careful. All right. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, I, I, I was looking at, uh, the international side and the Chinese equity space is uh, not been a stranger to improvement in 2020. And, uh, you, you know, they did break over four and a half on the Dorsey Wright scores, which is usually very, very positive. And, and I think if, if you look at these funds, you want to take a look at the ones that have sectors of improvement. These are the, the individual Chinese sectors that have shown consistent improvement are consumer staples, clean energy and health care. But there's also a variety of names within the Chinese technology sector uh, that are really interesting, and I uh, I'll leave those up to your imagination. Uh, I've got several names that I like. um, I but I also think that there's a couple of ETFs out there that just base themselves on uh, you know the technology group. So pay attention. The other thing, convertible bonds. You know, we talked about those uh, last year, and we started pounding the table on them, and their score was. Just 2%. 2.2, I think it was. They're now at 5%. they are the best-performing uh, asset class in fixed income there is. And uh, so, I mean, I could tell you that there was three different ETFs that I looked at. They're both up 40 50%, and even in a bear market. Now, crude oil's been negative for about eight weeks. The momentum's been negative, I should say. And gold just turned negative for the first time. I think that's the, you know, I keep talking about the dollar being oversold and rallying. I think that'll continue for a while. So, uh, you know, you got to be careful on those. Uh, Crude oil did break out, which I thought was interesting. So the momentum's, and natural gas did too, by the way. So momentum's negative, but here they are breaking out. All right. So that's very, very interesting. Now we're going to talk about relative strength here. We're giving you, you know, we're just saying these stocks broke out in a positive relative strength. So you can write these names down, but. Look, relative strength uh, is just a measure of how a stock is performing when compared to something else. In this case, it's the S&P 500 equal weight. Uh, relative strength is very important in technical analysis. So what you want to do is if you like the stock on a fundamental basis, here's another thing to go to. Compugen and biotechnology, Katerra, medical products, global ship lease, uh, Fiesta restaurant, Immersion Corporation, uh, Points International Limited, World Acceptance Corps, uh USA Technologies. Uh, Quinn Street, Bristow, Cancer Genetics, made a big move this week, so I want to hold back on that one. Live Oak Bank Shares, Athena, Holdings uh, Limited, and Forte Biosciences, and Hudson Limited. That's in retail, by the way. Uh, On the uh, the south side, we had Biomarin, Coherent, Allen uh, Petroleum, Carpenter Technology, uh, Integra Life Sciences, uh, Indela and 51 Job, Inc., That's China, by the way. Occidental, Portland, General Electric, uh, Candy Technologies. That's in the electric car business. A lot of those things going crazy. Omars, Altium, Moon, in the biotech area, and a couple REITs, by the way. Acceleron, Shell, Midstream. Uh, Most of the REITs have been uh, that are showing relative poor relative strength have been in the multifamily home. Village Farms International is also the other one. So. We are having some names that are, uh, let's just say, uh, getting beat up a little bit. So we're, we're, the list is longer on the relative strength sells than buys. That's usually not a good sign. So for all you guys out there that who, who are uh, uh, you know playing the game, just going to remember that, okay? Hey, let's take a break. We'll come back with Insider. Stay tuned. This is the Smart Investor Show. diamond and silk and we have a new book coming out called uprising
0: the awakening of diamond and silk
3: it's about how we overcame poverty and hardship by not letting anyone else define who we are what we
0: can do or who we are supposed to vote for and guess what you can do it too that's right and we want you to hear our personal story for the first time
4: uprising the new book by diamond and silk available at amazon or wherever books are sold
0: sent Congress home at a time Democrats, they love stimulus checks they love PPP loans they ran home but now, Dad, the House is running back to Washington, D.C. on legislation to save the Postal Service Well, look, the the politics of this are so obvious that you could run a Mack truck through it Jay Sekulow Live,
2: weeknights at 6 right before Larry Elder at 7 on AM 1420
0: The Answer and on Radio.com
3: Okay, we're back. If you just tuned in, this is uh, the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. I hope you're having a great afternoon. And uh, I'll just uh, suggest that uh, there are, well, I'm getting the impression, you know, I I keep having, uh, I can always tell by the number of phone calls I get. And I have all these people saying things are going up and up and up and up. Why aren't we in this one? You know, and by the way, I have a lot of Abbott Laboratories. I have Amazon. I have some Apple. uh, You know, I've got a lot of these names. So um, I have True Companion, you know, which most people haven't even noticed that it's up 35% since they bought it. So, uh, you know, it's interesting to hear, you know, when the number of calls come in uh, by the amount that I had last week, I got to worry when they don't call, I know I can get bullish as, as can be. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I know that's a contrary indicator, but that's the way it is. Anyway. Uh, so we talk about insiders and I, there's a couple of really big insider buys this week, and I, there's been for a while now. So the insi- insiders are still bullish. i said say that again. The insiders are still bullish. Normally it's five, six to one sellers to insider buys. It's four and a half now, which believe me is, a, you know, on a, if you're if you're stat, stat uh, if you're a statistician, that's a big increase. So uh, I I saw two that really uh, brought my you know caught my attention, and that's the California State Teachers Union. They trimmed their apple position pretty aggressively. Say that number one, but they bought two stocks, and I just haven't owned both. And uh, uh, but they're Uber and ABV. So uh, you know. Abed has been a home run shot in the last two years, uh, actually last seven years. It's been averaging like 14% plus uh, 3% dividends from where I bought it. And then Uber, uh, but Uber and AbbVie are two that, you know, we we talked about ride sharing today. So uh, that's the California state, state Teachers Union. And the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Group bought up to 12.6 million shares of Live Nation, and they now own 37% of it. By the way, the other people that own it are uh, a guy named Malone, John Malone, who happens to be one of the great investors, uh, along with Mario Gabelli, in uh, the entertainment area. So we'll leave it at that. And I don't know what's going on with uh, Axis Capital Corp., but uh, Charlie Davis, uh, who's bought three weeks in a row now, and and I bought a lot, Just he he bought his biggest purchase ever. Remember last week we talked about he bought $11 million, uh, 250,000 shares of it, uh, about 45. He just bought 388,000 shares, or 17.7 million, at 45.62. He's had numerous purchases: three and a half million dollar purchase, two million purchase. Well, actually, last week it was another 2.8 million dollar purchase. So, don't know what's going with Axis, but uh, Mr. Davis is bullish. We'll just say that. Um, this is a little company uh, called Centrus uh, Energy. It's uranium, and it was just uh, 20 dollars fell all the way down to 10. And uh, Neil Subin, who's a director, uh, bought a ten, uh, at 10, he bought 500,000 shares or $5 million worth. I thought that was very interesting. And then um, uh, Avis, uh, you know, we had several buyers last week. We had uh, this SRS Investment Management, who was the buyer last week, by the way, uh, buy another uh, ton of stock. He bought... Uh, 3.8 million, and 3.8 million uh two days in a row with an average cost about 33 and a half. Uh oh by the way, I Charles Davis also bought another three and a half million on the 26th. So he bought three times last week. I'm sorry I missed that one. Um and and you may recall that uh uh the uh SRS investments bought 2 million and 1.8 and 1.8 million of uh of uh, Avis last week. So and then uh, David Galoob of uh you know, if you know who Gloob Capital is, uh, you know they bought again this week, um, a couple million dollars. Both the CEO and the C, uh, the chairman, and the CEO Larry Gloob's the uh, father, uh, which is always uh, something nice. I did notice multiple buys in Live Oak Bank shares, and it's the Mahan family. James, uh, I, th- I think it's he's the chief executive, and he bought uh, three point two million dollars three times. Uh, you you know, like to see multiple buys, uh, you know. The more, the better. The more, the merrier, right? Uh, and then, uh, uh, let's see here. There was a couple other ones. Oh, Marcus Limonis, uh our famous TV star, who was buying Camping World. Uh, you know, down in at seven eight dollars, uh, just bought another million dollars worth after it pulled back from um, uh, the uh, forty two area. It's around thirty one twenty. So he just bought another million dollars worth, which I actually I think he bought a little bit more. Um, yeah, he, he bought another two hundred thousand dollars uh, just at the end of last week, which I, I thought was uh, interesting. And um, some of the other names that I thought were kind of uh, interesting is uh, Harmony Biosciences. Uh, Jack Nielsen, the director, bought it as it, it came public, and it, it went straight up. Uh, by the way, it you know, went from uh, thirty-two to. To forty and came back to uh, thirty-six. So he, I think he paid twenty uh, to twenty-six. I'm sorry. He, I think he paid twenty-six for it. And then Kennedy Wilson, which is, uh, uh, you know, a real estate services company, uh, the um, chief executive officer bought a million dollars worth. Uh, so that was a pretty big uh, numbers. And uh, just a couple names here that I have not seen insider buys for a long time. Uh, we had um, the a director at Archer Daniels Midland. By 496,000 shares uh also uh jbg uh smith properties the ceo bought a uh, and a bought half a million and calyx which is a software uh company uh haven't seen anybody buy there and we had a director buy half a million dollars on that too and then a couple other names here fuel tech which uh you know has been a, a, a you know pretty good move here we had a couple uh a couple buyers there too. Uh, and I believe they were the, uh, directors of the company. So, uh, you know, you like seeing that, uh, now a couple that have showed up on my charts, uh, Spock holdings, uh, the a director bought $230,000 and, uh, also Zoma, uh, BV, uh, F partners has bought several chunks of it. They bought another, you know, two, hundred thousand, three or four times last week. So, uh, those are, those are all good names and you, you you want to pay close attention to that now you know look uh, you know bob dickey has been talking about the market indexes have moved to new highs uh, to surprise almost everyone by the way uh, as an example of how the stock market can run further than many would expect in both directions by the way the current advance is continuing despite increasing evidence of an overvalued situation on a fundamental basis you got some extended technical indicators you got some uh, you know, economic conditions that don't line up very well. Okay, so uh, I think you gotta you gotta remember that. And I, you know, I think it's it's a broken record. I mean, we keep saying it every every week. We've said it's like three straight weeks now. You know, uh, you know, and th- look, the majority of stocks uh, look like they're in trading ranges. Many, you know, could stay that way through year end. Uh, and those widely held consumer stocks Uh, you know, staples, the yields and value sectors continue to be more stable for most investors at this point. So it'll be interesting to see if they hold up. Um, But we are starting to see a lot of things, you know, going on that, you know, the Dow Jones is way over its uptrend line. And I think the first support would be 2,700. And the next support would be somewhere, you know, right below uh, 2,500, uh, 25,000, I'm sorry. So it'll be, you know, very interesting to see, but we're, you know, Uh, we are seeing some things. uh, You know, we talked uh, about, uh, you know, Tiger 21 having a lot of cash and, and uh, Jesse Felder and, uh, you know, some of the other guys saying, Hey, you know, we're very positive long-term. However, uh, we're seeing some breaks in the action. So I don't want everybody getting real negative or anything like that, but look, I think it, you know, Noah, didn't start building the arc the day it was raining. okay. So what you want to be looking at, I think, is, is if it does pull back, what ideas should I be using? For those who are looking for income, the prime income list and the dividend growth list, if you go to WHK 1420 and go down to the local podcast, go down to Smart Investor Hour and Tim Haynes, you can go directly to my webpage. If you hit the contact me or email me, we can send you those. We also have our best idea list, and that's an all-cap. Uh, and There's some really good names on there. We put Peloton on there a week ago. It's up $10. Bucks. Uh, so there's there's a lot of uh, good names on that list. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, the key is is that uh, uh, they're available to you. Uh, now, we don't send these out, you know, every, every week. And, uh, you know, if you, if you think I'm going to send it to you 10 times in the next year, you're probably wrong. Uh, (laughs) I'll send it to you a couple of times. Let's put it that way. Anyway, the the key is, is that uh, they're available. All right. Also, Bob Dickey under Bulletin Board, it also has our weekly newsletter, which I think is really good. And don't forget insights. If you tap into that insight area, I think you'll find some really good information. And, uh, you know, it it changes weekly. Uh, You know, Bob Dickey's changes every day, except you went fishing last week. Uh, That's why you live in Minnesota to go fishing. Uh, But anyway, uh, you know, normally the the daily newsletter, and we also have a quarterly newsletter uh, under bulletin board too. So it also talks about interest rates and how to be cyber safe. So those are some really good opportunities uh, for people who have not been paying attention. Uh, Cyber safe, I think is going to be one of the biggest things for home, home people, because, you know, most, you know, we talked about the, the five things that are coming out of this uh uh this this, this scenario that's occurred and one of them is more people gonna be working at home for a long, long time. And cybersecurity is gonna be a big, big deal, I think. So, you know, uh but by the way, we do have a couple of reports on that. If you'd like to see those, please let me know. Uh please let me know. I, I would suggest though, in the uh in the next couple of weeks you want to be a little bit more careful where you buy things. You got a stock that you don't like, it's not performing. Maybe it's a little time to raise some cash. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a big correction, but I said that <laughs> in February. You know, I, I said in February the first couple of weeks and last week of January that I thought we'd have a, a 10 to 12 percent correction, and then we had a lot of things happen that were, you know, weren't in the cards at that point. And so it became a much bigger correction. So uh, I, I'm starting to see the signs of a corrective phase. Remember, September is the only negative month, and October's right behind it. Go away. Uh, come back to All Souls Day and go away in May, right? right? Uh, look, have a great weekend. This is Tim Hayes with the Smart Investor Show. Remember, buy low and sell high.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888 888- 223 7742. That's 888 223 7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.